my life, this is where I'm supposed to be. My name is Matthew Kroll. And what a great story this is. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Past Lives. What do you think we were in Past Lives to each other? Oh, boy. Hmm. Uh... Were we like two, a cat and a dog fighting in the yard? Were we uh, two turtles swimming in the ocean? Were we uh, a panda bear and a living bamboo tree? <laughs> I feel like we were two old-timey radio jockeys <laughs> in, like, the 1940s? In the 1940s, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I would uh, I would love myself to be, like, one of the characters from Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? And, uh, <laughs> and you be George Clooney coming in with, like, ha ah, I'm a man yeah, of constant sorrow. And I'll be like, this is never going to work. Get him out of here. <laughs> I mean, th- this... Uh, uh, the, the the concept the concept of past lives is mm-hmm. one that uh, I've always found fascinating. Mm-hmm. This this film is not dealing with that concept entirely, though it does mention it quite a bit. Yeah, um, in in the but title. <laughs> in the title, but uh, but it could also you could have an absolutely no spiritual uh, well, or, course, or, yeah. or religious connotation connection to that based on what happens in the movie. The I always liked the idea of living past lives, but then it always gets like most things in that vein. It always gets soured by like, um, uh, you know, psychics or mediums or people. It's like <laughs> when you four hundred years ago you were a general, and it's like cool, cool, have you, cool. cool. If, have you ever seen? Yeah, of course. And if I if I was a psychic, I would just make everybody the most amazing person ever. You were Cleopatra, by the yeah. way. In fact, in my uh, family lineage in history, it might explain one of the reasons why. You know, okay, so uh, a little bit of personal info here, but I am a fairly large Indian, which is not fairly common. Um, and uh, it was explained to me that the reasons that that might be the case is there is some Mongolian bloodline lines in me uh mm-hmm. and so we all um i'm sure we've met someone at some point who said who who thought we were related to genghis khan or part of that uh, part of that uh, but we we actually do have uh uh uh, uh someone on the patriarchs or on the mother's side who was mongolian and rode horses and they think mm. that's where we get our size from or something like ah. that but at any rate have you ever seen kenneth branagh's film did again no. You've never seen that one? It was his directorial debut. It's um, Kenneth Branagh, Robin Williams is in it, Emma Thompson is in it, um, and he plays a San Francisco, I believe it's San Francisco, um, San Francisco detective who is investigating a woman who is reporting, oh, who's gone missing, and it turns out that uh, they go to a hypnotist and they believe that she is the reincarnation of this famous composer that was murdered or 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 committed a murder uh, in the 1940s, and that he huh. and that he is the person that the composer murdered, and that and so they're having this like wow. re, re, and then it's like it's got this amazing ending where not everyone is who you think they are at the end like they're, mm. they're the roles of, it's a it's a pretty hammy movie it's kenneth Branagh doing an american accent it's his first american movie it's his directorial debut uh it's pretty interesting i remember watching it a lot it's also got robin williams playing like the the crazy failed psychiatrist which i think he's done mm. like two or three times now yeah uh, absolutely yeah. it's funny i do not remember this movie i have never seen it right. you know what i do remember what's that the the poster Okay. For whatever yeah. reason, I remember seeing this people. poster. Yeah, it's scissors with a face. No, in the it's not. 
It's uh, there's no scissors. It's just two faces sort of mixed into one: a profile and a forward shot. Oh, there you go. Well, uh, yeah. if you're into the idea of reincarnations in movies, then uh, perhaps that is one to see. But we are not going to be seeing uh, seeing Dead Again, although I do recommend it. Uh, we are going to be talking about Celine Siong's past lives. But we have some emails. Do you want to ch- ch- chime in on these first emails? People who wrote us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. My words are a little bit funny today. But that's okay. <laughs> With all we do is I like your funny words, funny man. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Zach writes in, apologies if this email is coming in a bit early for the film, but I saw Across the Spider-Verse last night, and it was technically brilliant, if unremarkable, in my opinion. Whoa, coming in hot. Hmm. I weighed my own opinion against others who believed it to be the second coming of animation and realized that I walked into the theater with an expectation to be blown away from this film. And in some terms, it absolutely did blow me away, mainly in animations and music, but in an age where films have such high expectations from their announcements, I feel it's unfair for me to come into the film with those expectations. What do you think? I know Shahir doesn't watch much pre-release material, but there's still expectations to come with something like a new Wes Anderson film that are bound to come into play when seeing the film itself. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this and hope you guys are happy having a good day we are zach thank you i wish you the same uh Shir, what do you think about the uh the expectation game well i think uh it's been compounded by the fact that a lot of movies that we're seeing are sequels so we are having um or or based on uh, uh known intellectual property so we obviously we have uh and, and this is by design of course because the reason that so many films are made uh with intellectual property in mind with with uh um already uh existing ip is that they have a built-in fan base and built-in you know expectation that a certain number of audience members will come in because of that expectation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um for me this is actually uh, an interesting one because i saw across the spider verse this week and i know we'll be reviewing it next week uh, so yes, I, get, I have not seen it yet yeah so i won't get into any spoilers or discussions about it but i will say expectations were heightened on my side because I finally got my son to see Into the Spider-Verse with me the night before we went to see it. So we were coming in riding high based on that expectation. Um, and I won't say whether it was met or not met. Um, but, but um, you know, I obviously I don't watch a lot of pre-release material, but I have expectations based on my knowledge of films. So, for example, Francis Ford Coppola has a movie coming out called Megalopolis, uh, which I know nothing about what the actual story is in context or anything like that, but I'm excited for it just because it's Francis Ford Coppola and it's a movie he's been trying to make for a while. We had the same situation with Terry Gilliam when he made The Man from Dan, uh, Don Quixote. Um, but, you know, like with those... I, I think the, the important thing here is to is to temper your expectations. Sometimes you'll be surprised. Sometimes you'll be let down. I think the best situation is to go in with low expectations and then be surprised, right? Like the worst thing, the worst scenario, or the best, this is kind of one of those uh, quadrants where the best outcome is high expectations that are met, but the more likely outcome is low expectations that are exceeded, right? I suppose if you are, if you are, Always avoid expectations if you can, in my opinion. However, that's almost impossible, impossible to do. Yeah. Uh, because if you have no expectations, you're probably going to walk out like you enjoyed that thing a lot more. Um, I am getting increasingly sick of, like, the multi-trailer game. I have okay. no problem with a trailer. In fact, the things that people are calling the teasers are what I think the trailers should be. Right. Because nine times out of ten, you watch the trailer and you've seen the movie, or if you have any knowledge of how you know remotely a film is structured, you piece together and then you go in with expectations of, oh, we haven't seen them in Paraguay yet. 
Yeah. Like, so, like, that's still coming up. So, like, that character can't die. Like, yeah. you know, that, stuff that's like why that. I don't watch trailers. Just sure, for that, sure, sure. For that effect. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I'm I'm okay giving up a little bit of that experience for hype in certain situations. Um, mm-hmm. I just I hate that the the news cycle of it entirely like does end up ruining it. So as far as Spider Verse is concerned, there's something interesting. I loved uh, Into the Spider Verse, and I've been excited for Across the Spider Verse. Um, but I don't know if it's because I've just been really busy or if I'm just really tired. Or what it is, but like I'm not like chomping at the bit for this one. And everyone has told me how technically marvelous it is and how it's gonna blow me away and whatever. And like that's really cool. But like there's a third element to I think what Zach is saying. And like I I believe all those things, but I'm also not so pumped for it that like I'm gonna like those things are gonna really affect me, I think. Like I think I have to agree with the hype or be hyped in the same way that people are hyping to have it actually affect my emotional outcome for whatever reason here i'm like i'm happy i'm going to see it but it's not something where i'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god like you know what i mean um but that could be for a number of reasons uh most likely my internal rhythm and and me being exhausted 90 percent of the time as most people seem to be these days i also uh will move on from this one because i don't want to talk too much about across the spider verse in this one but the fact that the movie is part of uh a two-part uh, sequel release, right? So, oh, interesting. Oh, See, I, oh, I didn't, I didn't oh man, I'm so sorry that I uh, ah. that I thought that was fairly common knowledge. That uh, you know that this what, was, you yeah. know what, that'll probably help out my enjoyment. Okay, all right. Well, I because pu- knowing watching a movie and then knowing that it's gonna do a to be continued moment type thing. Yeah, uh, I find helpful because often sometimes i'll be enjoying something and it does something like that and i'm like fuck you (laughs) (laughs) well uh i i'm so sorry that i uh that i i I, I thought that was common knowledge um but uh okay so we'll move on we will be talking about across the spider-verse next week uh which i am looking forward to the conversation on uh as i believe it is generating a fair amount of it kellen writes in hey matt and shahir hope you're both doing well i quite enjoyed your air conversation uh that was last week's movie with ben, uh, directed by ben affleck uh with steven especially the different perspectives you each brought in regards to how big a figure jordan was or wasn't in your youths gave me flashbacks to playing michael jordan versus scotty pippen with my dad at like four years old with my kid-sized hoop and ball or not knowing anything about basketball other than these guys are a big deal especially jordan some random thoughts about the movie seeing matt damon and ben affleck work together again and obviously having so much fun both in front of and behind the camera is great and i hope they keep it up after this and the last duel i need more sometimes following the cliche biopic um, and sports drama formulas work if the cast and crew care about the story the underdog being a multi-million dollar company was weird but i felt there was enough passion from everyone involved that i bought into it I don't know if they were wigs or not, but Ben Affleck and Jason Bateman's hair were distractingly ridiculous, but still uh, totally 80s. Thanks, Ian, uh, for the great discussions. Uh, I don't know if you uh, know about uh, Jason Bateman's podcast, Smartless, uh, which has got a documentary on HBO Max right now uh, about their podcast tour. By the way, we weren't invited. Uh, just you know, FYI, Jason. Thanks, Bateman. Jason. Yeah, if you're listening, but he they do make a lot of fun of his hair, and I think I have the feeling that was his real hair uh, in the movie. I bet you that was his real hair. I don't think Ben Affleck's hair was his real hair. Both Jamie I'm and I were looking sure. at it yeah. and we're like, whoa. Well, because Phil Knight was is known for his kind of like 
floppy. Uh, I think he's red-headed. Man, I oh. could be wrong about that. Um, I also just wanted to point this out. Kellen is a movie reviewer uh, who writes for the Salamanca Press. Uh, and uh, you can go to their website at salamancapress.com and find all of Kellen's reviews. I just uh, I found a great one there for air, and uh, there's a really good review in there for Across the Spider-Verse. So if you're interested in finding more reviews for people who listen to our show, who must therefore have good taste, uh, go right. to salamancapress.com. Um, Check a look. Yeah, take a look. Uh, I uh, have you had any lingering thoughts about air since we saw it? Since we've discussed, you it? know. Okay, so yes, weirdly enough. Okay, um, you bought I'm some trying new Jordans? to think. I, yeah, I'm wearing them right now mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> on my hands. Yeah. Um, no, I I want <sighs> air has affected oh. a person in my life in a very positive way. Okay. And I can't say who or why. I'm trying to think of the cleanest way to do it. But the the film Air was used in a conversation uh, that caused a group that this person was working with mm-hmm. to, like, kind of buy into the needs of a project, if that okay. makes sense. Okay. Because everyone had seen the film and someone called out that like, oh, the blank is like our blank or whatever. And like it, 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 it You're like functioned in a way. Deal? Yeah. Someone is the it's, Michael it's, Jordan of our deal. <laughs> or like this is that deal. Like right. the, the project is like this project and therefore we should put more resources towards it. And then like everyone agreed. Right. And so <laughs> there's an interest. So weirdly, yes. Um okay. And it was it, it's it was such a heartwarming sort of nice story to <laughs> take away from this film, which honestly I didn't really think I would think about again. The conversation with you and Stephen last week uh, was definitely my highlight of the entire thing because it was so interesting just seeing the different ways we came at it. But yeah, that came up this week, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Okay, like Drop. this movie's got got some got some legs. It's got some got some air to it. Yeah, dropping some air bombs uh, um, in the movie conversation. I wonder what our air conversation will be. Like as we're negotiating our sneaker merch deal, uh, the only sure. podcast about movie sneakers um, where you and I will get artist equity in the deal or something like that. That's right. That's yeah. right. You can't talk about film yeah. unless you have at least uh, 180 uh, DPI. Is it DPI? Pressure per inch PPI? I forget what it is with, with the air in the shoe. Oh, okay. Email us in onlywearpodcast.gmail.com. <laughs> All of our shoes, you need to have 180 of whatever that measurement is. All right. And um, and also, uh, will the shoe will be called the Air Topam, which will yep. instantly be misquoted as the Air Toe Jam. I mean, either way, I'd be happy. Uh, but then it feels like we're going to be getting into a Toe Jam and Earl situation, which is a phenomenal game, and I would also oh. not, be mind, uh, not mind being uh, you know associated with that. Okay. It's all happening for us. So tell us what Celine Song's film, Past Lives, is about. I sure as heck will, Shahir. The Internet Movie Database tells us that Past Lives is Nora and Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends, are rest apart after Nora's family emigrates from South Korea. 20 years later, they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront notions of love and destiny. Ooh. Now, this was a movie I was very excited about because it came out uh, with with rave reviews out of uh, the Sundance Film Festival. I don't know if it had a big sale. I guess it must have because it's playing in theaters right now. A24 is obviously the distributor. And it's also produced by Christine Vachon and Killer Films, which is a company I once interned for, oddly enough, uh, a long hey. time ago. And was sat, uh, sat in meetings uh, for that company. Um, I was excited by it. Matt, did you know much about this movie going in? 
I knew nothing. You know, here's the thing. Yeah. This is the perfect entry point for me. It's a film I knew nothing about yeah. that I had heard had buzz on the awards circuit. Mm -hmm. That's it. That it was good. Mm -hmm. That it was good. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I was just truly excited to go experience something that seemed to have been vetted, but I had no expectations of whatsoever. Okay. Like, yeah. And how were those, how, were those expectations met? Oh yeah, this movie fucking rocks. Okay, rocks. Like, uh, that's it, an odd way to sort of yeah. put it, but like it does. Yeah. Uh, especially from this is this is uh, this is her first film, correct? This she is, is uh, she's Celine a, Song's. She's a, yeah, she is a noted playwright, but uh, this is her yes. debut film. Yeah. Uh, holy shit, man! Like, this is a movie that does the level of complex storytelling that I, about about relationships sort of in this way in one of the most honest and true feeling ways like uh, types of types of how do i put it the elements feel so real uh for the three main characters or really two main characters well no actually it's three main characters by the end of it uh that i was just I was seriously floored. It actually, it got me trying to think about how many films that have a sort of, um, I won't even call it a, it is in a way, but not in the way we've been conditioned, a love triangle in it. Mm -hmm. Like, how many other films treat those like adults? Uh, and that was fascinating. I honestly couldn't think of what I was actually going to ask you if you've ever seen in a film something that is as careful and like real feeling that feels like three people that have their lives somewhat hmm. like together in in a situation that we'll talk about in this movie, like and how it's handled. Hmm. Like, because I can't think of one. I can't. Mm, that three, the three to me, the, there's a. I'm trying to think. I think uh, the movie that is coming to mind, but I don't think is it's been a while since I've seen it, but as blue as the warmest color might have a sort of real adult sense uh, of, you know, three fully fleshed out people. Uh, the other ones that's popping in my head uh, is um, the earrings of Madame D. Uh, oh. the, yeah, yeah. The, um, uh, the film about the the lost earrings and uh, and Victoria De Sica is uh, is one of the actors in the movie, mm -hmm. um, Max Ophel's film. Um, that kind of feels like it might as well. But I think I think what you're getting at is that the film is essentially an imbalanced portrayal of three people by the end of the film uh, of three people involved in a relationship, and each of them feels like they have fully realized motivations and fully realized. Uh, lives outside of the relationship that's happening. Although I did read a review from Alison Wilmore this year that that uh, of this film uh, that disagreed with that notionally, and I actually I, I I thought it was a great review. I didn't agree with it at all, but I thought it was it was uh, written from a way that gave us some interesting perspective on how to read the film. Um, mm. So check that out. I think it's on Vulture. Um, my uh, I, I think to summarize what you're saying and probably my feelings about the film as well is that it's so elegant. Uh, it's so understated and elegant and beautiful because and there's a layer of complexity to the storytelling that's completely under the surface here that doesn't feel uh, schematic, even though there is kind of a tightly 
you know, a, t- a fairly tightly wound structure around this. You know, like we're coming in at at uh, twelve year intervals. Um, right. That's really perfectly matched. And those and and also what's quite beautiful about this film is that uh, in an era where I think what we've been talking about a lot in terms of the the movie going experience is packing in as much um, moment to moment uh ephemera so i'm thinking of you know again i'm thinking of things of like fast you know the fast and the furious movie that we're seeing which has got moment to moment explosions turns you know does something such and such and it's not right to compare these two films on that front but what's beautiful about and refreshing about watching this film in particular in a theater um is that it is such a sort of single line poem of a movie that has such heavy dramatic weight to it or such such it conjures such an emotion. I, I I don't know many people who weren't affected by the last moments of this movie. Um, sure, you know, like the last thirty seconds of this movie, where to be fair, not a lot happens. But that's the beauty of it. Um, not a lot happens in terms of it's built around just a conversation, and it's built around a conversation that's built around a simple idea, and yeah. it's so magnificent and beautiful to watch and so affecting and touching and it's such a um unassuming movie that it's so beautiful there was a thing about this as well which is that uh you offered to uh you were going to go see it on a friday screening and um invited me to that but i couldn't i couldn't make it um Mm -hmm. and i was actually really glad because something happened the Sunday, Saturday, or maybe it was the Monday, the, the Monday before I went and saw it, which is that um, as I started watching the movie, I was like, oh man, I'm actually glad that I got to witness this before I walked into this movie. But, and my son, who doesn't listen to this podcast, uh, but maybe Yet. will one day. Uh, and he, uh, a friend of his, now he's seven years old, and a friend of his is, is leaving town, uh, you know, is moving, leaving out of the city. Uh, and so the family has come back to pack up and, you know, pack up their house and that sort of thing. And so he's really going to miss her. And yeah. he was so excited. Like, I told him, oh, she's back for a week. You know, you guys can hang out. And um, they used to do Taekwondo together. And he was doing his Taekwondo um, graduation ceremony where he broke a block. It was pretty amazing. He broke a block. Nice. Uh, and at the end of it, he was like, can we invite her to go get ice cream with us afterwards? And so he went and got ice cream. said, yeah, let's invite them you know, to do that. And they met up with us. And the way he was walking around with his little friend, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if this is the case, but I think he said I love you to her, like in the most sort of like earnest way, you know, in the way that a seven-year-old understands it. Like it's not sure. romantic. It's just like, this, you're my, you know, you're such a good friend to me. I'm going to miss you so much when you're gone. He's having these yeah. like real, you know, moments with his friend. And the first thing that this movie opens on is it's a little bit older, but it's two 12-year-olds who are having this kind of playful it's it's somewhat romantic it's it's but it's beautiful you know it's like it's unmarred by any of the sort of um uh you know muck muck of adulthood it's just beautiful and pure and it's like lovely and i was just so when when i was watching those that film i was like i wonder if he will remember you know his friend in 12 years from now when he's a little bit older and will they ever connect again? Like, will these two people have that kind of friendship? And then it got me thinking about the people in my life who have stuck around from that age or, you know, like that I've had encounters with over time and thinking about how those relationships change over time. So I was really, um, the, the, the sort of quietness of the movie allowed me 
a lot of open space to reflect upon my own life. And I thought a lot about similar things in my life where I'd met up with um, a friend that I hadn't seen in a long time or, um, you know, like thinking about like what it'll be like if I met that person now who I haven't seen in a long time. And it made me sort of think about like reconnecting with people. So I was like kind of walking into this movie really uh, affected by just watching my son play with his little friend and them having such a, you know, like this beautiful friendship at this age and just thinking about how that will, you know, progress over time. And then, you know, there's this idea that's introduced in the movie called Inyang. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's talked about in the trailer, the idea that uh, there's when two people encounter one another, it's because of providence. And therefore, you know, like for two people to get married, for example, I mean, it, you know, it's sort of playfully suggested here in the movie is that uh, they may have had 8,000 encounters, you know, previously um, in order to get to this moment. And, and you know, the, the movie, as you suge- suggested rightly, is not spiritual uh, or suggesting any sort of, like, level of, of uh, actual spirituality. You know, it's just this nice idea that's played out through the film. Um, but that idea became, like, this really powerful sense of how we connect with other people and, like, what they can matter to our lives. And, you know, again, I immigrated from Fiji to New Zealand to the United States. And I started thinking about, like, my friend uh, who I haven't seen or heard from in years that was, like, my best friend who lived across the street from me in Fiji. And I was like, I wonder what's happened to them. You know, like, I've, you know, like I'm a bit older than this movie is. But it just got me thinking about that in this way. So I, I, I loved the movie, uh, obviously, from that point of view. And I think it's just, it's so... Um, you know, uh, when we talked about RRR, for example, we talked about maxima- maximalism in film. This is an absolute minimalism film, um, but it packs so much weight. It, the minimalism of it allows it to allows me to have so much breathing room to think through this movie, uh, and I loved it for that reason. I don't know if I'd call it a minimalist film. Okay, it it, it has different elements than say a fast and the furious of course which i always think about my past because you know family when i'm watching that um i I think there's it's just a different way to express a lot going on Mm -hmm. um i'm i'm using that phrase in comparison to the way we talked about maximalism in rrr for example sure i mean yeah i guess from from a visual uh, stuff moving on the screen mm-hmm. I, I suppose that that is i it's just i i i don't know if maybe i want to revisit the the labeling of those things because like there is so much going on in this movie sort of like underneath the surface and people's sort of emotional uh resonances with the situations that they're in like the 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 performances on display from uh, the three leads, from uh, Greta Lee, uh, Tiao Yo, and uh, John Mag- Magaro, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, well, are like, cow, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, they give maximal emotional performances <laughs> with, through minimal movement. Okay, and to watch something like that play out is like just. It's so impressive. Um, it's funny talking about Spider Verse, even going back to it, like everyone's <laughs> yeah. saying, like, "Oh man, like the the it's the animation, it takes it to the next level, whatever." Like this movie was, I it w- reminded me 
about what it's like when acting is taken to another level. Yeah. Like I I bought it entirely again with very little sort of like physical movement going on or things sort of out at play. Um the way it opens too. So Ooh. if you haven't gathered everybody who's listening, you know, we'll get into sort of minor spoilers I th- here. I think but- we should talk about it in spoilers because I think the beauty of the movie as well is the kind of after movie discussion. It's not a it's not a digital yeah, 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 yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. It's like it's like pull up a cup of tea, let's talk about everything that happened here. Yeah. So the, the what I loved about the beginning of the movie and how I kind of I, I for whatever reason knew that uh, I was in good hands uh, yeah. watching this thing was it starts with a shot of the three of these these three characters. So it's uh, Nora, Heisung, and Arthur uh, in a bar, and we don't know yeah. who they are. Uh, but you can read body language of a couple things. Uh, Nora and Haesung are Korean, and Arthur is uh, American. Yeah. And uh, it's it's literally from a perspective of other people, let's say, across the bar, like, talking about them and trying to figure out what their relationship is yeah. based on, like, body language and cues and stuff. Yeah. And so you know that that's kind of what the the crux of the film is going to be. It's a great setup, and then it whisks you back, what, 24 years? I think at this point, would it be 36? No, yeah, you're right, 24 years, Yeah, but, but they're 36 years old at this point. Yeah, so they, we, you go back to them being 12 and yeah. into the scene, that you're, the, the, the interaction that you're sort of having with these two characters as children in Korea, who, uh, you know, they're, they're best friends, I think, but also, like, there is romance. Like, they go on a little, like, little kid date. Yeah, that their parents uh, and that their parents arrange for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, but there's conversations in the car, like, uh, you know, are you going to marry him or like yeah. that sort of, th- you know, that's you know. And there was, like you said, in those moments, you you can't help because everyone is doing such amazing work, sort of doing what film I think is meant to do in a lot of in a lot of places such as this, and reflects back on your own life. Um, I, it's funny. I kept in touch with a lot of people for a long time right. from that age and childhood. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> I'm going to keep bringing up Fast and the Furious and Spider-Verse. Okay, all right. The, much, much like the Fast and the Furious, yeah. I watched as they drove to places that I could not follow. Okay. Like, I don't have many, like, I have a few, I suppose, but not many childhood friends from when I'm 12 that, like, I actually don't know what they're up to. Right, okay. Uh, or, or... I knew to a point and then I got uninterested. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So it kind of, it got me sort of trying to like dig in my head of like, man, who, who could I like try to reach out to? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and sadly I, I did not come up with anybody, but, but the, that is not the film's fault. That's, that's my life. Yeah. Um, my, my point being from those very opening moments and, and throughout the entire thing, you can't help but like look at the path that you've sort of walked in similar situations with friendships or romances or both and uh it's it gives you that kind of bittersweetness throughout it that i feel like uh oftentimes in our heightened angry world mm-hmm. uh i have personally lost out on i i uh i don't feel the way this movie made me feel often anymore right um and, and granted there's sadness in this movie too so of course you know whatever but 
it's a different kind of sadness. It's not sadness due to like the loss of a loved one or yeah. the loss of rights or, you know, the world literally on fire. <laughs> uh, like it, it's it's a different loss that is. It's a longing, right? It's a it's an it's a yearning for. And, and, and I guess what the movie is also questioning is a what if like what if this had happened instead of this had happened or what if. Uh, these two people had stayed, you know, connected together. Or what if they made this leap together now? I mean, the entire thing is grass is always greener. Uh, I think it is because really? they even talk about it. They talk about it. So, so sorry, we, we kind of jumped no, around. I, Basically, you can disagree in a second. I, I feel like we actually have to set up. Because I don't well, think we can the get film. to it, yeah. but we haven't explained sort of why that would be yeah. or or not be in, in the case. Uh, long story short, it jumps ahead uh, 24 or to 12 years, uh, and at a writer's retreat, Nora, who has moved to America when she was 12, uh, meets Arthur, and they fall in love, and they get married, and then uh, before that, I believe that uh, Haesung and Nora had like a Skype sort of mini relationship for uh, an extended period of time, yeah. but then she cut it off because she thought it wasn't being healthy. She met Arthur, they get married. 12 years later, uh, uh, Haesung has not forgotten about her. Uh, and he comes to visit the United States and tells her, and then they kind of like hang out a couple times. Uh, it, w uh, one of the times with Arthur. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. Again, we're going to bring up personal stuff in my life as well, which is that I had a long distance relationship at the age of 20. Um, yeah, probably 20 to uh, 21 to through to 23 or 24. Yep. Uh, so two years long distance between the United States and New Zealand. And mm -hmm. so uh, it, it was... Uh, very challenging, extremely challenging relationship. Uh, we, you know, uh, saw each other, I think, maybe maybe about six months of that period. You know, like we'd met in college when I was in college in the United States. Uh, and then we sort of, you know, agreed to keep our relationship going. But it was very and, – and we were, I think, maybe in the same time zone as this movie, which is that uh, Skype and Facebook Messenger and, you know, all the sort of modes of communication that were around at that point um, – enabled that kind of relationship in a way that probably wouldn't have been possible at least 10 years before that. Sure. Um, so I, you know, this thing that um, Nora decides, she says, I don't want to continue this, um, this online relationship. That's not the phrasing that she used. I don't want to continue this conversation because I want to make the most of the life that I have here. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny because I, I, in the movie, I think that comes as a little bit of a surprise, especially given the way that our world works now, which is that, uh, you know, like the, the the lines of uh, how a relationship like this might turn into real life seems like it would probably be more plausible. Oh, but, I found that. Well, yeah, but I found but, that but my believable. point is, is that I've lived that experience and I understand 100 percent what she's talking about, which is that when you're in a relationship uh, a long distance relationship where you're using all these modes of communication to kind of be intimate with another person, you are also cutting yourself off from the world that you are living in at that moment. And, and it took me two years of actually doing it to come to that conclusion. Um, I will, I will, I will agree and, and, and go at it from a different angle. I had what I would consider something very similar to this in my twenties. Yeah. Um, which was not a relationship. I was not dating the person. Yeah. Uh, like, so I, we didn't have like a time period or whatever, but there was a span of like six to nine months where like there was a person that I was talking to sometimes romantically mm. or across the internet, 
but like we were never together mm-hmm. that then I I did end up stopping because I was like, man, like this ain't good. Like it was literally almost a similar thing other than that person being a childhood yeah. uh, friend from when I was 12. Like that's not right. the same. So like when I, when that happened in the movie, I was like, yup. <laughs> like, it's funny. He, I just, I guess in the movie, I wasn't sure what drove Nora to make that decision other than she was just having, you know, she, she felt this need to want to immerse herself more in the American, in, in the world that she was living in. In, New in York the world City. that she built. Yeah. I mean, I, the reason I did it was because I found myself not trying to go out and experience things because I was like stuck in my headspace with this person who, when they're, when you're not with someone, no matter what you do, in my opinion, you do build them into something that they might not even be. Yeah. And there's, so there's multiple levels of things where that's not going to help you move forward with you paying attention to where you actually are in your life. Yeah. And and so I, I don't know. I really did. That was probably the most resonant moment in the movie for me personally. Um, You you know, was just like, yeah. Just just as we were talking as well, and you asked me that question, um, uh, what's a movie with uh, a third character that's played as equally as the as the main two? And I actually had an image in my head of Jennifer Lawrence in a movie, and I was like, and I, but I couldn't figure out, I couldn't figure out what it was. But then as we were talking right now about um, films about long distance relationships, there's a movie called Like Crazy, uh, with directed by Drake Dormus and has Felicity Jones, Anton Yelchin, and Jennifer Lawrence, uh, which is a movie about a young couple in university. She's English, he's American. And um, they try to keep the relationship going after they have to like go back to their respective countries. So she goes back to the UK, he stays in um, America, and then they're they're trying to keep a long distance relationship going. And, and it's an amazing film, of course. Rest in peace, uh, Anton Yelchin. And then I do remember Jennifer Lawrence's character in that movie being uh, quite a bit more fleshed out than 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 you would expect. Um, but I agree with you, which is that what happens is, is you're carrying this it's almost like you're carrying this voice around with you you know and and uh the other movie like that 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 is conjuring for me is um spike jones's movie her which is that you know like he's carrying this like voice that he has conversations with but is not interacting you know on a one-to-one with other human beings i i just i i think in the movie it surprised me when she makes that decision so quickly um but i certainly got to the same place after two years of that and it came from a much more challenging kind of thing which was that we were trying to figure out how are we gonna you know be together or how are we gonna like come together and we couldn't agree on that and so after two years of like you know that we were kind of just going well well you know at least my feelings about it were like i'd rather try to live where i am right now than feel like i'm trying to live in two different places at once so uh you know nora moves on and i think this is where the movie becomes striking yeah at that point i think it's really well done and i really liked it but the but it becomes striking which is then Sung decides to come to new york um to meet nora and they meet, um, uh, they meet, and it's that sort of like wow moment where it's like, uh, you know, they, they actually just kind of quietly just say, wow, it's you. And, it's, you know, they haven't seen each other since they were 12 years old, and they, ha- they made such a deep impression on each other. And then they decide to meet with Arthur, because Arthur, who is played by John Magero in this film, um, is such a quiet figure that is really the third part of this relationship. And they're set up as the third part of this relationship in the beginning of the movie. 
but is really fully formed out in this sort of interesting way here, which is that he has to, in a way, like the histrionic sort of movie approach to this is for him to fight about this. Yeah, he has him a quote like, about it. Yeah, you know, to like to like put his foot down. But that's not what this movie does. His 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 sort of thing is go, um, is I have to let this happen because I am a fully formed adult and I'm mature and. You know, it's that sort of uh, if it's if it's more than what I think it is, then I'll deal with it. But if it's if it's just honestly these people trying to figure out what they mean to each other after having not seen each other, I've just got to let it play out. Mm-hmm. And that's really striking. Like, I, I just found that to be like there's a sequence where Haesung and Nora Nayang, you know, uh, she, you know, she's taken on another name, are having a really intimate conversation about... What, you know, like what could have been and what they're, you know, the inyang of it all. And you realize that Arthur is sitting on the other side of this conversation, not hearing, not understanding this. He does speak a little bit of Korean, but perhaps not to this level. And it's like, wow, he's actually here for, and it's like, it's, you realize that he's a key component to this because what I think is beautiful is that it really becomes, while there's a sense of yearning and loss for, um, or longing for Sung and Nayang or Nora, it is a love story between Arthur and Nora. Like the film is actually this sort of acceptance. And so, so when you said the grass is always green, I was like, no, that's the movie is really about this is where I'm supposed to be. And this is where it makes the most sense. And this is the, the romantic part of this film is that Arthur and Nora are, are strengthened because of this movie. Because of what's happened. I mean, we assume so, yes. But, but that's uh, the, the way I, I felt I came out of it, was that, right. yeah, it's, it's, it's really about this, accepting the place that they're in. When I say the grass is always greener, I mean, and I don't know how you reflect sort of on your own life, but like, the, 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 and I, they, the characters even call it out. Like, maybe they do get married and they're super happy. Maybe they uh, dated for six months and hated each other and got a divorce. Like, yeah. or like, you know, like, like there, it's, it's, and when I say the grass is always greener, I mean more like, I, I guess the what could have been of it all, the, the curiosity of, yeah. of what is across the fence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, either that hope or that belief that it could be, uh, but I, there's, I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. There's, uh, the, what, whatever Nora, how do I put it? Whatever Nora and, uh, Sung uh, sort of have, you can read it one of two different ways. Mm. Uh, you can read that like they just have a super deep connection mm-hmm. that uh, transcends the the spans of time that they had, yeah. Uh, and there is the inyun of it all, and they did meet eight that or like anywhere in between that sort of version of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you can read it, and and both of these are emotionally true and real. I think, or you can read it in the sense of. It is the lack of actual time with a person whom you like hmm. that 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 you build a thing up in your in your own space about the person. Even if those two people are like, even if both people do it, hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, I, I I think 
Yeah, so sorry, so my, my point is I found it very interesting to uh, – and that's sort of where I come from, like, the, oh, the grass is always greener kind of thing. Because if you do have that reading – and I'm not even saying that I do. Mm-hmm. I just think that there is there is always a um, an attractiveness to the what could have been. And that the adultness in this movie that I really, really, really appreciate in all of the characters, and it's you—you you, you were referencing a couple films with like very fleshed out uh, three characters in a in a love triangle. That's not exactly what I meant. I meant three very real feeling characters that there isn't a like come to head like yeah. freak out moment with. Yeah. Like they they act like adults. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so so. I really, really liked that, like, I, either of those readings and the story between Nora and Arthur, depending on either. Like, the cool part of it is whatever way you read that, the emotional resonance of all three characters, it doesn't matter where that comes from. It It's all still very real. Like, it all is affecting them in the same way. Yeah, and I think there's a beautiful thing here, which is that the film is very... Again, it's it's understated and it feels simple, but it, there's a degree of complexity to this movie that that is just um, bubbling under the surface. But it's it's the movie is kind of priming you to suggest that Hei Song and and Na Young are meant to be together, you know, because that's what the, that's what the film is kind of getting at. That's a conversation they're getting at. But then it really kind of gets into this idea of. You know, I think Arthur, as a writer, kind of says this as well, is that, like, this is a great story. The the two destined lovers who are to meet, and I'm the evil white American stopping it all from happening. But he's not. And the film is also getting to the point that even though we as an audience haven't really seen that, re- Arthur and her relationship fully fleshed out in the sort of, like, dreary romance of it all, it is it is the core of who these two people are. And I think there's a beautiful line in the conversation that uh, Sung and, and uh, Naeyoung, uh Nora have in the bar where he says, you know, uh, he says, to me, you were someone who was always meant to leave, you know? And then to her, and then he says, to Arthur, you were always meant to stay. And he says, and, and I just, that's such a, you know, what I'm getting to there as well is that Sung's not fighting for this. And, right. and she's not fighting for this. All they're doing is just like taking a look at, at this other person in a mature kind of way. Not in a sort yeah. of like, oh, we mustn't, you know, like uh, forbidden fruit or anything like that. They're just like looking at each other in the same And I think he's, he's not fighting for this. He's not arguing for about it. He's like not sort of, you know, as you say, there's no come to head moment with all these characters they're actually just all kind of like there's this beautiful thing that has happened here which is that you as two people didn't feel like you had the opportunity to explore what might have been but and now you are you're seeing each other and you have to make a choice out of that and the choice that uh Naeyoung makes uh is that her husband Arthur is where she's supposed to be and it's it it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't you know like she is upset by that last moment because mm-hmm. again, Hei Sung says something incredibly beautiful in the very very last moment before she gets in, before he gets into the cab that again just made me go, oh my god, this fucking movie. But he says, yeah. what if this is the past lives for our future? And I I just, like. I cannot tell you how much that line hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, what if 
this is the past lives for our future. And he's not saying it in a way like um, we're... He's not just name-dropping the title. Yeah, no, he's not just name-dropping the title. He's not doing the Leonardo DiCaprio thing. Um, (laughs) but, But, like, he's saying it in a way that, like, yeah, maybe something could have been here because we have this connection, and maybe it'll be in another life, but maybe it won't. I'll see you there. And, and you know, like, it, it, it could be a thousand lifetimes from now, and or it could be one lifetime from now. Whatever it is, you were meant to leave in this lifetime, and for Arthur, you were meant to stay. And I think, like, that's, that's the kind of beautiful insight that is very difficult to come by in a movie, for one. And uh, in this film, that doesn't take away from the yearning, the, the, the longing for another person, the sort of the questioning of what if, but it, I think uh, surreptitiously, uh, maybe that's the wrong word for it, but this is, a, this, is, this is a love story between Arthur and Nora. And that's maybe the part that, you know, the posters won't suggest or anything like that, but it is, it's their love story. And their love story to me is strengthened because of Sung coming in. Like Arthur, again, he says this, you know, he, this uh, beautiful thing. It, I love the moment where, where Sung comes to the door and Arthur sees him for the first time because, you know, they've had that conversation in, in, in the bathroom before where um, uh, Norris is, uh, you know, she, he asks her, is he good looking? And he's like, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's pretty good looking. He's very, and then she says he's very Korean. And, you know, like he's very, uh, it makes me feel less Korean. Um, and then they're in bed and, and you know, she's, he says, you sleep talk in Korean. And it made me scared because it feels like there's this whole world that you right. have that I don't have access to. And so he's obviously thinking about, you know, like, who is this person that's walked into my wife's life? And what does it mean to me as a threat? You know, is, what does it mean to me? He's obviously anxious about it. And then, right, he, right, right. and then he comes to the door and Sung is really handsome. Like he's like, I'm like, that dude is freaking handsome. And yeah. like, and, but he just kind of like smiles and like looks at him and he's like, you know, and he speaks to him in Korean and he's like very gentle, gentle about it. And it's like, these two people can be grown adults. It's not about how good a person looks, you know, like, them, you know, she's not going to run off just because this guy's got, you know, uh, a great smile. Um, it's about you know, being respectful. And when they're at the bar, he, he, Arthur says to Heisung, um, I'm glad you came. This was the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, like that's, a, I, I don't know. This is all just such beautiful stuff. And I think one of the, one of the reasons, uh, that it all feels as effective and resonant and real is a lot of the artists at play, uh, their lives oddly are, like very similar to this. So case in point, yeah. this is a little bit autobiographical for uh, Celine Song. Yeah. Uh, the story in and of itself, but also that her husband uh, is a playwright, right? Yeah. But <laughs> Greta Lee, the actress who plays Nora, uh, I believe was originally uh, was uh, turned down for this role. I think the, the, the way that uh, I understand it, and this is uh, I'm I'm building on hearsay here, but like. Originally, I think in the script, the characters were younger in the oldest part of the timeline, so right. they weren't casting at that level. Yeah. Uh, but Greta Lee um, is uh, has a very similar story, I believe, uh, bec- coming to America from Korea when mm-hmm. she was around that age. Right. Uh, and she was so happy to be able to speak, well, happy and scared from what I understand from interviews to speak Korean. 
Yeah. Because this is the perfect role for that because her Korean is not that good. Like right. <laughs> it's not it's not as competent as a person who lives in Korea. Yeah. And she's also like Korean was always something that was so private to me growing up. Yeah. So like it's almost akin to the dream thing, right? Yeah. Like where where so there's that emotional resonance of her actual experience and like getting to do like having what she considered a weakness be a strength for a character is just so lovely. On the flip side, uh, John Magaro is married to a Korean woman in oh, real is life. Really? Yeah, and he one. talks about in some interviews about how he completely uh, it, it was able to get into Arthur's headspace because there's elements of her life and her family that he can never be a part of, and he has to come to terms with that and accept it. Right. Like he can try to learn Korean as much as he can, but like there's no like that ease of that part of the life just isn't going to be there, and that's it comes I think with the territory of being in a, a long a long term relationship with someone from another uh, country or another uh, uh, culture. Yeah. So it's just so interesting that a lot of these characters. Uh, a lot of these actors who are playing these characters like get to bring a lot of their own stuff from real life. Also, in rehearsal, I don't know if you heard this shit. Uh, 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 Teo and uh, John Magaro, because they did a lot of this uh, during COVID. They did readings over Zoom or over Skype. Yeah. Their cameras were never allowed to be shown to one another. Right, the first time, <laughs> the first time that Arthur sees Hey Sung is the first time that uh, John Magaro gets to see uh, Teo. And, that, like, and it's the it, moment that that I just described, right? Like you it's just the first take. And... It's the first take. Yeah. They use the first take, and it's in there. Yeah. Uh, like, and uh, the first time, uh, I forget how it was, but the the first time they hug, the first time that Nora and Haesung hug, a yeah. similar thing. They could rehearse together, but they were never allowed to touch each other. Right. Yeah. On, and then so the first time they do like that's real like they just like I really think that Celine's song like played like the best like she was dealt like the script is amazing and then with the actors that she chose it just was like the perfect way to play the perfect hand yeah and I, I was just so fascinated with the oh shit here's a bunch of reasons why this all fucking works. Yeah. Like, cause we're seeing emotional resonance being put. Like, it's what good acting is. You're pulling from your life. And, and it's, and, and, you know, I guess coming back to the point of minimalism, uh, and maybe I've got a bias here in terms of, uh, you know, what I'm pitching or, or, or thinking about making movies. It's like, how can we ensure that, you know, we're, uh, keeping the audience entertained, you know, is that co the conversation that was being had around that movie Ghosted, where uh, the Apple TV executives are like, something's got to happen within the first five seconds. And like, you know, otherwise the people will switch off the movie. And it's like, this is a movie where like, there's long periods where nothing is happening. And it's people just wandering around rooms, looking at something and just kind of taking in the joy of being in a place. But it's so immersive like you are in the headspace of of these characters wondering about what they're thinking about and what their decision making process is going to be and how they're reacting to the characters around them you know like when Arthur meets Song for the first time it is a quiet moment it's a very quiet yeah. moment um, and I, it's you know it's just amazing I have a thought mm -hmm. uh, just about sort of the way films are made the, the ghosted mm -hmm. thing you just brought up kind of yeah. in contrast to this movie made me think of something and I, I I'm going to say something that I don't know if I fully agree with, and then I kind of wanted to see your take on it. Okay. I think that in my heart of hearts, we should trust the audience, an audience in general, to not need to be wowed in the first five seconds when seeing a film. 
I think that's different for YouTube. I think it's different buy-ins for different types of media. I think it can go all over the place. Right. But I understand the executive's version of, of that thinking because people will click off. But you know what? I, I, this, is, this is where I'm getting to. Do you think that it's not that a movie will sort of like fail or falter or people won't be interested or click away. It's that the popular – if the movie – let's say the movie is great but slow, like this movie, right? Mm -hmm. Is it that like it's not going to be the instant hit that gets the buzz, that gets people talking about this is the best thing and the best animation and you got to go see it or like whatever? But that, that's, that hype cycle is not going to happen right away because because that's what they care about is the the, the total like how do we make the most money right now? Mm -hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like Because yeah. I think stuff like that's a slow burn is the stuff that lasts more. Yeah, I, I think there's no – the problem is with the ghosted analogy is it's applying a science to a subject where – there is more uh, luck and play that than than science available to us. Although, you know, data uh, infometrics in, in Hollywood is a is a huge topic, and I, I think I once met uh, a person whose uh, sole business was trading in infometrics for Hollywood movies. Um, so it was, it was a fascinating conversation. I think what you're getting at is though is that that what you're saying is correct if the movie happens to be able to connect with an audience um uh there was a movie a few years ago i think it was called don't speak now uh or, or don't say a word or something like that where it was about a bunch of uh, improv actors keegan keegan oh Keegan's, yeah uh, uh michael key was in it um and uh it was great and I remember we were on the podcast because I went and saw that and was like, oh, it's amazing that this movie's out. I'm really, you know, and we didn't get we didn't get to talk about it. But I think about it because I was like, I had such a great time with that movie. Then whatever it is we went and saw. Don't think twice. Don't think twice. Yeah. And who, the director is the comedian um, uh, who's a well-known comedian. I've gone blank on the name. You've got it in front of you right now. Uh, Mike, Mike Birbiglia. Mike Birbiglia. Right. Yeah. It's a great, great movie. Not a lot of people are talking about Don't Think Twice now, right? Like, like sure. when was the last time anyone brought that movie up in conversation? Mm -hmm. um, my point being is that the the fear, the, the marketing to make sure that people don't swing away is to try and engineer the kind of uh, impact that we want from a movie like that, right? Like, if that movie, if some people memed that movie, that might have, like, longevity in it. Um, but it doesn't. Um, so I think there is a, an attempt with the sort of infometrics of it all to kind of, and, and, and my, my point being there is great movies like don't think twice can get lost in the cracks despite being great. You know sure. What I mean? But then, but then let's, let's, I, I want to go back. I agree with everything you said. Yeah. I'm going to yes. And onto it. Okay. I think that the breaking point comes from, well, what is a victory for a film? Like we this, still yeah, or anything. We still remember this. We still remember. Don't think twice. Is it on the tip of our tongue? No. no. Is it? It do we still reference it as a good point for a thing? Okay. So so people know it enough that would care about it. Let's look at its budget versus its box office for like its sort of intake. Right. Its budget was two point four million dollars. Its yeah. box office was four point four million dollars. So it nearly doubled its investment. Right. Yeah. So that is a financial win. But a studio might be like, well, that's not worth it. Because yeah. it's 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 money, but it's not all the money. 
<laughs> like, like, so there, there's a weird, there's a weird give and take. And I know, look, don't think twice is in a different category of who you're trying to get to than ghosted is, than than past lives is. Yeah. But I, I, I do think that, like, I wouldn't call don't think twice, and I don't think you are either. I'm not trying to put these words in your in your in your in your head. I don't think don't think twice is a failure. No, I don't. I but I also but I, and and I think in Hollywood and especially in streaming, uh, even being successful is not enough. You have to be the most successful. I, I think you've got to have longevity because I, I've had this conversation. Uh, I think I've told you this story. I, I think I've told it on the podcast. How many times? Probably a dozen times. Okay. Uh, when I was pitching a movie and I suggested uh, the movie was going to be something like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and the person I was pitching it to said, next time you pitch a movie with a comparison, make sure you pitch a movie that ha- that has made money. And I was like, yeah. you know, and, and my point there was that for me, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a movie beyond transcendent in the history of cinema. How much money that movie made, I have no idea. Right. Um, but that was obviously the metric that was most important in that moment. Um, and if if I went into a meeting now and pitched a movie and I said it's gonna it's kind of gonna be like that movie uh, by Mike Birbiglia, Don't Think Twice. You know, like it, that, that's the one that I'm really aiming for. I I can see where that meeting is gonna go, right? Like you can kind of tell where that's gonna go. Whereas if I went that's in, that's right why now, you lie. Yeah, you say it's kind of going to be like the Fast and the Furious Five, you know, or it's, right. a, it's yeah, it's a mixed relationship with Mad drama. Max, yeah, mixed with whatever your third favorite movie is. Yeah, it's a relationship <laughs> movie about two people in a New York bagel store, but it's like Mad Max. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, it has the same soundtrack. It has the same soundtrack, and I think uh, what Past Lives has going for it is the A twenty four of it all. There is mm. a um, there is a. A great article about how A24 is just really great at taking a movie like this and finding its audience and ensuring, you know, one of the things that they will do is obviously make an awards push for it in order to create that longevity in that conversation. I think the movie is a great example of a con- of a go to see a movie and then walk out with people that you're with and have a conversation about it, right? Because it's so... Yeah, because it, I, so it, it invites that kind of conversation. I went and saw it at four o'clock, one o'clock. I don't know in the afternoon yeah. on a on a month Friday uh, Thursday. I don't even remember. Yeah, weekday. The theater was nearly full. Yeah, and I was so happy. Actually, Patrick, I went and saw it with Patrick, and he called it out. Mm-hmm. He was like, "This is a really great turnout." And I turned around and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like. Yeah, people like Sedant had written such a great review of it on uh-huh. Sundance, and people had written great things about this movie. And I think the combination of that with like the pedigree of what A twenty four, like, yeah, it's funny. Even people that aren't into fi- like into film, I feel like they hear A twenty four, they're like, oh, I know it's good. Yeah, like A twenty four has, and, and not this. Please don't take the same level of clout, but the same type of uh, dopamine hit in your brain of like, ah, oh, this will be good. Yeah. As like a director that you know and that is famous and that has made a bunch of good like just the yeah. fact that they make the movies, I think lets people want to go hunt them out and make time for them. Let, let, let me do this for you right now. I'm just gonna I, I googled A24 movies uh, and it just pulled up a list. I, I want you to just put these in your head and just go. What is your first thought about any one of these movies? Okay. Ex Machina, Moonlight, Great, Hereditary, Wonderful. Everything yep. Everywhere Great. All At Once, Uncut uh-huh. James, Lady Bird. The Lighthouse, Room, Midsummer, Green Room, Spring Breakers, The Witch, 
uh, Minari, Good Time, The Florida Project, The Lobster, Under the Skin, The Green Knight, Eighth Grade, Swiss Army Man, American Honey, and Enemy. We've only not reviewed one of those. Which was the one we haven't reviewed? We haven't done. Under I, it the was skin. in the. It was near the. It was near the middle end. Uh, we, didn't do, we haven't done Under the Skin, although I've seen it. That's the uh, one. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we, uh, if you asked me about any of those movies, there would not be a hesitation to go. That's a great movie. It's a right. great movie. You know, like I'm not going to hesitate on any of those. Be like, that's a great movie. If you ask me about Fast and the Furious, I'll be like, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe. I'm always poo-pooing on Fast and the Furious. I'm doing it. I'm using it as a reference because it's the biggest thing in the room, um, and it's a it's a good counterpoint to what we're talking about. Not these aren't these movies are in no way related, um, except they're about family. Um, right. <laughs> I love this film. <laughs> I love the conversation it generated. I love the fact that it stirred memories in me. I love that it's kind of a, um, a Pandora, not necessarily a Pandora's box, but a Schrodinger's box, I guess, of like what ifs. And it, it conjured up the idea of what ifs in a really mature and thoughtful way where it sure. wasn't about, you know, like uh, fighting for love or anything like that. It was just about like, these are the things that make our make us human beings, and I love that. In you know, um, and to see it in a movie theater, I think it was delightful. And and I I hope, like my my highest praise for this movie is that this is a great movie to go see with people you love and care about, and to schedule in time after that movie to have a conversation about what it, what you just seen. Because it's not, yeah. it's it's gentle as well. It's not like you're going to be arguing about it. You're just going to be having a gentle, thoughtful, introspective, you know, conversation about what you had just seen. Like uh, I, I was listening to some uh, a podcast where they talked about uh, someone was in the bathroom after the movie arguing about Arthur being kind of a, a weak presence in this movie, um, and you know he should have fought for it more or something like that. I whatever your take is, I think it's going to be you know it generates an interesting conversation. That's why I loved it. But that's a stupid take, and I think that person's <laughs> stupid in the bathroom. You know, uh, no. Uh, what do you think? Ar- by the way, what do you think Arthur is playing on the PS5? I don't know. You know what? You know what's amazing though. Yeah. I love how there's an instant feeling, and like that moment is coded. Yeah. Like you, you look at a man playing video games by himself <laughs> at night. And well, his wife coming home, and you look at him like he's a piece of shit. <laughs> I play video games at night most evenings, oh. and when I saw this, when I saw <laughs> Arthur just just literally trying to relax after yeah. his day in my head because movies have done it, I'm like, this dude's a piece of shit, <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, whoa. Well, uh, uh, the uh, Finch's film Gone Girl, I think, does this really well because uh, he's uh, Ben Affleck's character is always on the PlayStation instead of when he should be writing. Um, and then eventually she uses a PlayStation as like a whip, a weaponized gift against him at some point. Like it's a really yeah. beautiful thing. I agree. I also thought what was happening that was interesting in that scene is that even though he had headphones on, he knew the second she walked in the door yeah. and yeah. all he was thinking about is like, what has happened when you guys were out tonight? Mm-hmm. But he remained silent the whole time. Like it is an aching silence as she like comes in, takes off her shoes, gets ready, comes over to the thing and says, Hey, how's it going? You know, it's like, so I, I think there was a lot of undercurrent there. Uh, in terms of what what was going on, I'm presuming the dude's playing Call of Duty, <laughs> you know, or something uh, like that. Maybe <laughs> I, I would have less respect. Maybe it's something great like Cult of the Lamb or um, Gungeon. In, in Gone Girl, it was Call of Duty, so that's maybe why I'm yeah. thinking that. Yeah. 
basic. You basic. Uh, no, I, I, and I actually, it's funny. I think Arthur, I think all these characters show tremendous strength uh, throughout their things in this. And it's just, it's a, it's a, this is an odd thing to say. I find this movie aspirational for emotional strength in human beings. Right. Like, I just, it's so nice just to see hyper difficult situations and people just like, dealing with it yeah <laughs> like and not like dealing with it like mm -hmm. like like dealing with it like yeah. actually processing emotions and not freaking the fuck out and and figuring out what it all means to them i don't know this movie's great go see it if you haven't uh it's funny we we've technically spoiled it but like no we haven't no, like uh, it, it, it's pretty it's pretty easy to uh, know everything going in, and you'll still be blown away. I am hyping it now. Mm -hmm. Get ready, motherfuckers. <laughs> There's no. You're, you, this is it. You're not going to be disappointed. I the promise. Summer you. of the past lives. And if the... you, yeah, yeah. And if you watch it and you don't like it, and you email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail .com, I won't read it because I'm not going to accept it. <laughs> I just want you to like cut a trailer for this movie with your voice as the voiceover, and like and like just hype oversell this movie like past lives. <laughs> Oh, an explosion wait, sound. You yeah. mean past lives? Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Listen, all I know is uh, I could hype this thing all dang day, and I feel like we have for the last hour. We should cut a trailer um, for it um, and and uh, and replace the voiceover with you. This summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, this has been the only podcast about the film Past Lives. Shahir... When you are not imagining the 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 inyun that you and I have experienced over the course of our uh, eight thousand other interactions, where can yeah. folks find you? Imagining us being married and like uh, hanging out on a couch playing Call of Duty. Um, <laughs> oh, the worst possible <laughs> timeline. <laughs> Uh, at my website, www.shahirdad.com. That's S H A H I R D A U D.com. Matt, when you are, um, oh God, it, was, it is, what is, when you are imagining the 8,000 interactions that we have had, where are you? You can find uh, you can find me uh, imagining that we're sitting on the couch playing a lovely game like It Takes Two over at my website oh. mattagwkrol.com. My life and works also Skeletor the number four Pierre's on Instagram or uh, PSN uh, that's there too. Oh, ooh, you know where else I am now? Where? Uh, at Skeletor for Prez? No, no, actually no, that's wrong. I'm just at Matthew Kroll. I'm on Blue Sky now. Oh, you got on Blue Sky. The, the I'm just also. starting it. It's how baby. People, yeah, how many people uh, are on there? Like, not not a lot. I, yeah. I see a lot of Weird Al Yankovic and Patton Oswalt, and that's good enough for me. Okay. Um, uh, and of course, Twitter Emperor MSK until that burns away. Um, next next episode will be Spider Verse. It will be Spider Verse. Then we've got a uh, pick a movie for the week after that as well. That's cause right. Because we're trying to record it early because of some scheduling challenges. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail dot com. Um, I want to say, is it ghosted? It's going to be ghosted, right? There is a brutal <laughs> review of Ghosted in The Guardian. There's also a brutal review that I read this week. And I, like, I, I don't like to post like really bad negative reviews. But there was a review of Michelle Gondry's latest movie that was rough, man. It was like, Ooh. it was like, this is, I, I think it amounted to how is it that this person continues to make movies 
and is still coasting by in the cachet of eternal sunshine. That's uh, brutal. B- because because they were like not in favor of this movie. Um, one quick side note before we go. Uh, my wife and I have sat down to play It Takes Two. I had the same thought as you, which is like, maybe this will get my wife into video games. It did not play out that way. Um, really? Yeah, because there's something you forget when you grew up playing video games, which you and I oh, both did. Yeah, which there's... Is that- there's- institutional memory with it yeah and someone who has zero institutional memory no matter how beautiful the game is they just don't have that sort of wherewithal when it comes to the control like interaction literal training yeah and confidence about it and so they don't and so i could say this is the most beautiful amazing game look how majestic is like they do not care can i make another suggestion yeah uh, for for something specifically for that, yeah. There's a game called Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Okay, and that it is a like much sim- It's much. <laughs> it's a much simpler game. Yeah. Uh, even though the title is far more complex, mm-hmm. where you it's it's on a 2D plane, and you and your partner it can be up to four people, but you can do it with two. Jamie and I played through the entire thing. Mm-hmm. You're just you're these little 2D sprites in a little ship. Yeah. And you have to sit at different things in this round ball in one little space. And if you sit in the pilot's thing, you drive the ship. Yeah. If you sit in the protective thing, you can move the shield, and yeah. you have to navigate through a space. Okay. And it's like it's it, it it'll take both of you ten minutes to like get the actual like ah okay, yeah. but it won't have camera controls. Yeah. And it won't have inverted fucking uh <laughs> yeah. you know analog sticks and shit. Like it, it it's a really good solid uh it, you feel good. It's bite sized too. You can do mi- missions in like five minutes. Okay, I'll try. Uh, I'll, that's, I'll that's give a it a whirl. I'll see how I'll see how it plays out because uh, it takes time uh, to not play out well. Uh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I will. Uh, I like the I, game. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a great. Game. Yeah, uh, I found I found the main characters annoying, but I didn't quite finish it yet, so I know that like they'll probably grow on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Thanks for listening, everybody. Email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us how you enjoyed It Takes Two and if your partner actually played video <laughs> games with you. Uh, and then, yeah, then we'll talk at you next week when we go uh, across the Spider-Verse. Not just into it, yeah, but across, across it. it. Across it. Yeah, I oof, I got some takes. All right. Yeah. There we go. I don't have any yet. Give it time. Let's chat about it next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.